3: Hi, this is Steve Kelly. Thanks for tuning in for the podcast of this week's Saturday Sports Talk program with Lauren Tate and myself. And a special thanks to the folks at Kirby Wealth Management Group for their sponsorship of the podcast. We hope you enjoy Saturday Sports Talk.
4: When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies focus on your income. At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we focus on your outcome. That's why we know what it takes to succeed both on your balance sheet and in your life. It takes the right financial partner who looks at where you are now, where you want to go, and designs a financial plan to take you there. We're here to help you achieve the life that you're after, today and every day after. Focus on your financial outcome with Kirby Wealth Management Group. To get started, visit our website at justin-kirby.com.
2: It's time for Eye Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana where we talk all things Eye along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling Text Line, 217-351-5357. Now. Here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly.
3: Good morning once again, everybody. Welcome to the program with you until 11 o'clock this morning. Alana up Saturday Sports Talk on this uh, July of the night, the beautiful Saturday morning as we uh, get moving along here. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. If you would like to join us, plenty of stuff to uh, talk about on this particular show, Mr. Tate, how are you doing this morning?
5: Good morning. Did you lose anything, by the way, at Memorial Stadium when they built it? And all <laughs> like that a bulldozer? <laughs> <everything>? <laughs> you know, I heard a lot of people lost their shoes. Yeah, I bet. I think a bulldozer's a little bit big for, you know, it would be hard to get it out if it got stuck, wouldn't it?
3: That's an old uh, rumor, myth, whatever you want to call it. It is, isn't?
5: and I thought Tom Casey wrote a heck of a column today about it, and uh, it sounds like it is just a myth. It's like uh, Babe Ruth's home run, right?
3: It's on the uh, front page of the News Gazette today, if you want to check that out, about, uh, I guess they had some bad weather during that time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Torrential rain. i serious,
5: a lot of people walking through there, reportedly now, lost their shoes. (laughs) 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 Once they came up, they couldn't get them out of there, they just sucked them right off. Did
3: you ever do that? Did you ever walk out of a shoe in a... In a big thing of mud, I, I stay out of the mud. Steve. I did it. <laughs> I almost did it at the Peach Bowl <laughs> oh. in, in Atlanta. Yeah, I remember that, that game against Army. It was a wet one. It was terrible it was on the sidelines there. <laughs> I, then we got close in that game, didn't we? Yeah, that was one of those uh, good games that went down to the wire, but it just rained the whole game. And I was You're right. I was at Channel Three at the yep. time. I was working the sideline, and, and uh, I ruined a pair of. Pretty good boot, pair of boots. Okay, down there on the sideline. You were on
5: the sideline. I was, I was hiding up there in. The yeah, I know, box.
3: that's before I got smart and. Uh, yeah, I made some box.
5: comment the other day about people complaining about the east side, about the seats, not, and and the, the response I got was. You have no right to even talk about this. You set up in the press box, and you. said, "Well, it's just a seat." Exactly. I mean, come on, it's a seat on. Okay, so the windows aren't quite as bright. I guess they're they're fixing them this year, and maybe the. the I can remember when when that was just, uh, you, you know, you could play catch over there or tennis over there. I've got you know, guys in the Great Hall.
3: They're telling me, "Boy, you got the best gig in the world. You get the best seat in the house." I said, "Stop right there." <laughs> yes, I'm in the press box. I'm in the radio booth. But you see the game better than I see it, I guarantee you by sitting on watching it on TV oh well you get the replays. <laughs> you get all the replays at yeah. different angles well, we
5: get replays there you just got to be alert to look up right I mean, it's it's but it, there, I don't I, I'm out of the habit of doing that I should do it more
3: but there's a lot of things that uh, that go on down there that uh, it's hard to see from up in the press box that the cameras can focus in on
5: forty nine days
3: forty nine days till the first game
5: Wow Wyoming and I hear Wyoming's not very good but you know, and then again, who knows?
3: So if we... Had, they was, lost
5: a lot of people. I know that.
3: One of our guests on the show today, by the way, here's our guest list, Kendall Gill coming up at 9.15, Tom Knoll yep. from South Bend. Yep. See what... He's a the
5: basketball writer over there, but he uh, he knows a lot about the, the Notre Dame uh, finances and their contracts, and, and maybe he has a feel for what they might be thinking about, which I think is just... They're going to be postpone and delay, and they're not going to do anything very quick. Do you think?
3: I don't. Although it, it's hard to say, there was a rumor that uh, North Carolina and Miami were ready to join the SEC maybe this weekend. <laughs> so,
5: well, if they can get out of their contracts with the with the, with uh, ESPN, that's that would just break up the league. I mean, I, but that contract looks ironclad to me. I I know that there is no such thing as an ironclad contract, but. Boy, they they're going to have to pay if they, to get out. I don't know what, how much they're going to have to pay a lot.
3: I did see that uh, the Iowa athletic director thought that the Big Ten would stand pat. at, now, least, Barta? Uh, at least for don't a little you while.
5: Think, well, we know they're going to stand pat this year. The question is, will they stand pat next year with the two divisions? I think they will not. I don't think they want to make a move that quick. And t- I think they'll make their their change when USC and UCLA come in after two years.
3: That's kind of like. You're not looking for a job until you are, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not interested in leaving yeah. until I have to leave. But they, the thing that, that the, the same time,
5: Notre Dame two years from now will be working on, if they uh, choose to, another contract for their football because the NBC thing runs out. Now they're getting $15 million out of this one. Um, how much, uh, this is $15 million a year, how much can they get if it goes into competition between NBC and others? And maybe they can throw that thing up to $25 million. Does that make a difference for them? Because Illinois, meanwhile, is going to be going up 60 and 70 I mean, they're, Notre Dame's way behind in terms of income off of football, but they don't care. I mean, it's, they're paying for their independence.
3: Yeah, I guess so. And if you've got the endowment that uh, they certainly seem to have in the bank, or everybody says they do.
5: Yeah, well, I I don't think that the endowment has anything. Probably doesn't have anything to do with sports, in the fa- in the sense that they're they're operating, and their budget they're able to operate within within that budget. Right. And they're getting paid for basketball in the ACC, the TV money, and it takes care pretty much of their Non-revenue sports, which are in the ACC, so then they get another fifteen million for football now, and they'll get more later. So, I guess when they're done, I mean, they're they're, they've probably been pretty satisfied up to this point. Now, now these things are going crazy. I mean, the numbers are going crazy. You want to be, you're going to join that ship and get on it, or you're just going to watch everybody else go past you in terms of their income. Doesn't mean there'll be better football programs because Notre Dame is really good, and they're getting. They're number one in the country in 2023 recruiting right now, past Ohio State.
3: Right. We'll uh, see what Tom Noel has to say about that when we connect with him at 9.30. second hour will be led off by Will Leach. We know he's got some thoughts on expansion of these conferences across the country. And then another guy with uh, a perspective not only on Big Ten expansion, but maybe Notre Dame as well, is Howard Griffith, whose son is still on the roster at uh, Notre Dame. He'll join us at 10.30. That's our guest lineup. Phone line open. Let's go to the phones. Alan is first one up on Saturday Sports Talk. Go ahead, Alan.
6: Morning, guys. Uh, are you guys a little bit concerned about uh, the recruiting of, fo- of
5: football? Yeah, I am. You still there, Alan? Steve, I think we lost him. I think
3: he's still connected, but maybe he's in a dead zone, but... Uh, as far as the recruiting whether i got 15 now roughly um, on that uh, 2023 class well steve
5: yes that's right and they'll always have that number yes. they'll always i mean that's a number that everybody's going to probably be in in that range but right now illinois not getting uh the top players that wisconsin and iowa are and i kind of judge everything at illinois against those two schools because those are the schools that have dominated the west division and um so that's a future thing. That doesn't have anything to do with this season. Right. And the freshmen coming in have very little to do with this season. The freshmen who are actually here, they don't – there aren't many of them. Sure, a couple of them are going to play. They're going to fill in here and there. But I don't see any freshmen starters. And in most cases, they'll be redshirted. Do they have the players uh, to, to be successful this season? And I think, that I think there's going to be a half a dozen really close games that uh, can go either way. And, I, I, you know, I don't I don't think that Illinois will be successful necessarily against Michigan and Michigan State. Those will be awful tough games for Illinois. And Wisconsin and Iowa will
3: be awful tough games. What else you got, Alan?
1: You guys
6: there?
3: Yeah, we're yeah, here. Were Go here.
1: ahead.
6: Okay. I lost you guys a while ago. I guess you heard my question. I didn't get to hear the answer of it. Well. About what, the quality of the players.
5: Well, uh, the answer is that Illinois is like 11th out of 14 schools in the Big Ten in recruiting in the 2023 class. You're talking right. football recruiting. They're not getting the quality that other schools are. That doesn't mean the players can't be developed and all that, and maybe the sure. recruiting things are wrong. But if all all I know is that we we've, we've used these systems for 50 years or more, and the teams that get the better players win the most games <laughs> over time.
6: Absolutely. That's what I'm getting at. Uh, I don't know how you can change that.
5: I don't either. I don't know how you change. Just win,
6: I guess. As you always say, just win, baby.
5: Yeah, just win. But uh, you know, it's like you're running a hundred yard dash and everybody else starts ten yards ahead of you, (laughs) but but you're supposed to catch them and win.
7: It's tough. Why
6: is there such a difference, uh, like that? Say basketball. Uh, We're not considered a bad recruiting in the years past in basketball, but now all of a sudden, we are. Well, I, think, I, think, we I think,
5: don't you think that Underwood has had, and he, he's had two groups of assistant coaches who have done a tremendous job in different ways. <laughs> in entirely different I ways. Did. And uh, it remains to be seen how good this Illinois team is. Let's not get carried away yet. I mean, I see, you You know, they should be ranked in the top five in a conference, but did, whether they're good enough to go out and win it, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think anybody knows. We have too many guys we have never seen play before. But the, the difference in the two is very simple. The, 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 uh, the arena is full for basketball games and the stadium is empty for football games.
6: Well, you might have something
5: there. <laughs> well, I know I do, because I know how I uh, recruits want to go where there are people that attend the games.
6: Well, I'm I'm kind of like the old school, like Dick Buckus used to say. Why would you want to go to a school where you're going to have a heck of a time competing if you're really good? You can go to a school like L.O. You be the star there and name the prize, so to speak.
5: Well, that's not the way the star players have ever... Uh, you know that that's not the way the star players around the country uh, think. They want to go to a winner and they want to get out of that, leave that winner
3: after three years and be in the NBA, NFL.
6: Okay. Well, I guess that's all I got.
3: All right, Al. Thanks for the call. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Baseball scores last night: the Phillies beat the Cardinals two to nothing. Adam Wainwright went nine innings but uh, gave up. Just five hits. Two but home runs. Two home runs with the same yep. guy. Yep. That hurts. in the Cardinal offense, the, the birds on the bat, the bat, <laughs> the bat, the birds are still there. The bats are gone.
5: <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a good point. Here lately. By the way, the, when I went to bed, the Cubs were winning.
3: Well, they lost. Yep. Four to three yep. and ten to the Dodgers out west. That game in ten innings. The
5: Dodgers got one, one, one. They tied it up in the ninth and won it in the tenth.
3: And the Tigers beat the White Sox seven to five In Major League Baseball, a golf note, uh, Steve Stricker a shot back in the uh, Bridgestone Senior Players Championship. That's one of the major events on the seniors tour. He's tied with three others and uh, four guys are tied at six under par. We'll keep an eye on that over the weekend as well. We'll take a timeout. They'll be back. We'll talk with uh, Kendall Gill after this. We'll keep the phone lines open as well. Alan Ipella, Saturday Sports Talk, back after this.
6: Mike Mary and his team at the Pella window and door store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella window and door store, easy to find. 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign or visit them online of
3: Welcome back to the show. It is 9-15 I Fellows Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Phone line open, 217 356 Good morning to Illinois Hall of Famer Kendall Gill is with us this morning. Hey, Kendall, how are you?
0: Hey, Steve, how are you doing?
3: Good. Where, where are you talking to us from? You out and about today?
0: Yeah, well, Yeah, well, I'm in Atlanta at my son's uh, AAU tournament, so I just stepped out, and, uh, you know, just to, to, to talk to you guys. So anytime, only you guys can pull me away from this game. Well,
3: <laughs> that's good to know. We won't keep you too long, but we appreciate your time. Uh, I want to good. talk a little bit about, uh, since you mentioned Phoenix, and uh, it's kind of a, a big summer for him and your family, getting that offer from uh, Brad Underwood and the U of I. Tell us about that. Tell us how he's dealing with that so far.
0: Well, I mean, it's it's great. It's a great honor, you know. And uh, you know, I told him that, uh, you know, this wasn't about his dad. This was about him, and you know, the hard work that he put in, and you know, what he displayed over the over the last year, his freshman year, and this summer uh, going into his sophomore year. I mean, he really did well. Uh, so, you know, I'm happy with it. But you know what? He's he's not satisfied. And the thing is, you know, he he really wanted to to get. An offer from Illinois, so uh, you know that's he, he's most happiest about that because he's been a Illinois guy ever since he's been born. So right, you know, yeah. When he talks about Illinois, he always says we. So you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's still early in the process, but you know, I'm keeping my fingers crossed.
3: This is probably a difficult question because I, for one, uh, have a hard time seeing myself in my son. But uh, would you be able to compare? phoenix at this stage of his basketball career to to you at the same time
0: oh he's much better than i was uh you know skill wise basketball iq wise he's much bigger he's six two i was in my sophomore year i was (laughs) five (laughs) six you know and he's just you know as much much smarter than i was much better looking than i was than i was (laughs) (laughs) He's, he's better than me in all ways so you know much more mature so you know uh I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, he just stays level-headed and, and, and carries through. He, he came down here to Georgia, had a great two days so far. You know, hopefully uh, today is the last day. Hopefully he'll finish up uh, strong today. So, you know, we just got to keep grinding and keep our uh, keep, keep, uh, eyes on the prize. That's it.
5: Kendall, this is Lauren. Fill me in on uh, his high school now. When he comes back, what kind of a team is he going to have? Where is he going to be playing?
0: Uh, he's going to be playing point guard uh, and okay. also the two-guard position. Uh and uh, his, his team finished, of course, you guys know this, his team finished third in, in state uh, last year. We beat Simeon down in Champaign, and he got an opportunity. He didn't play, but he got an opportunity to go and experience everything about the tur- tournament. Got to experience uh, Assembly Hall State Farm. And I, I can't call it State Farm. I'm still an <laughs> Assembly Hall guy. That's all right. But, but but uh, you know, he got a chance to experience it, and, uh, you know, he really loved it. So, you know, hopefully this year we can return. We got, we got a, a nice kid named Richard Barron coming back. who was an all stater. Uh, so got a nice team. So I'm hopefully we can get back down.
5: Okay. And, uh, tell me now, uh, about Monday, uh, what, where's this, where's this going to take place? This annual, what, what annual is this for 33. you? It's, 33, it's, huh? it's 33, 33.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What a good number. 30, 33
0: years. Yeah. 33 years of, uh, the Kendall Gill golf outing for Cunningham children's home. And, uh, you know, this all started off with Sam Banks 33 years ago. And, you know, if you were to ask me what I'd be talking about, <laughs> the, the golf outing this far uh, ahead, 33 years, you know, I would, say, I would say no. But, I mean, it's been such a good thing and, and such a great cause that, you know, we continue to come back year after year. And I appreciate all the people that keep returning year after year to participate in it.
5: What are you expecting in the turnout as far as golf is concerned?
0: Well, I'm expecting, uh, you know, us to to still have a full house like we normally do. You know, uh, I've talked to uh, the staff there at Cunningham, and it seems like that we're pretty much on our way there. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's great. And I also, I'm bringing my other son down, Coda, who's a golfer. You know, this is going to be his first time seriously golfing as well. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to
3: Monday. I talked to Mike Walder this week about it, and there's two waves of the uh, – Kendall Gill golf outing uh, going off. One on the blue, one on the orange course on Monday at Savoy, and over the years, six hundred thousand dollars plus has uh, wow. been raised for Cunningham Children's Home. That, that's got to make you as proud of as anything about this uh, longevity of this.
0: Oh yeah, it, it makes me so proud that, to, that, that we've been able to raise that much money uh, for kids that have had you know been dealt a, a tough hand in life, and uh, you know they need some help, and it always an honor for me because I've been given so much from the university Champaign-Urbana the state of Illinois you know this is my way of of helping give back each and every year you know Coach Henson was involved for a long time Um, Mrs. Henson is going to be out there as as well uh, Monday Uh, Coach Underwood will be out there I I hope Lauren comes out brings his sticks as well We'll (laughs) I never forget Uh, the
5: time I played with your brother boy was he a good golfer
0: yeah, he, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, Lauren, he won't even let me play with him anymore. He says I'm a hacker. So, you <laughs> know, I, I just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, hopefully my brother will come, too. I'm trying to talk him into coming as well.
5: Well, let's go back to the Bulls real quick uh, NIO and I.O. And what's happened with the team so far? And what do you see uh, this coming season?
0: Well, I think that we will be right in the thick of things again. Uh, we did so well last year, but we were decimated by the injuries. We were decimated by COVID, and that really took its toll on us, you know. And I think that Lonzo Ball, in in, in my opinion, is the key to the whole thing. Our, our point guard, you know, suffered a knee injury, and you know that, along with Caruso being out. Uh, Zach going out for for COVID as well, and Zach had a knee injury at the at the end of the season as well. Those really hurt our chances specifically in the playoffs. But now we got another year of these guys being together. IO has another year coming back. I thought that IO did a wonderful job last year. I always said that I thought that he was a top ten pick. Unfortunately, he dropped to the second round. But you know that was a blessing in disguise because he fell. For the Chicago Bulls, he only signed a two-year deal. Now he's actually going to get a contract sooner rather than later, uh, a big one. Um, I think that the three years that he had at Illinois really helped him with the pro game. And, you know, he he just was – he just fit the Bulls' system. Everything that they did, uh, you know, being 6'5", long, rangy, uh, his offense, you know, came along as well at the, at the end of the season. And I think with another year under his belt, uh, she, listen, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Io is challenging for that starting position pretty soon in, in the lineup somewhere. And, and, and obviously, I hope that we can keep him because he's going to be valuable after this second year is up.
5: Well, Ball and Caruso will take up a lot of his uh, playing time, though, won't they? I mean, based on last year, they,
0: they,
5: uh, they weren't there.
0: Yeah, they yeah they will, but Io somehow found himself in the lineup even with those guys playing you know he he found himself getting significant minutes and you know I think defensively Mm -hmm. they really covered what he can do I mean you look at the times that he played against Trey Young the all-star for the Atlanta Hawks I O really gave him problems with his length and you really don't see anybody doing that to Trey Young and you know Io was able to do it so he has so many intangibles that's why he's so valuable
3: Kofi Coburn trying to make it uh, with the Utah Jazz. He's played uh, three games in the Summer League so far. Do you think that uh, that particular franchise is a, is a good spot for him as far as uh, his style of play?
0: Well, I'm hoping so. I mean, they wouldn't have uh, signed him uh, to a Summer League contract if uh, you know they didn't think so. You know, I'm just hoping that he has a good Summer League and he's able to perform up to their standards where he can stick around, at least go through training camp, and then when he gets in training camp, and that's where he will have his his real chance to make that team.
5: Yeah, he only had uh, six or seven points the first game, but he almost had a double double the third game. He, he had, had what twelve and nine? Twelve
0: and nine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Twelve and nine. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it, and you know, listen, it, it, he needs to just be him. You know, not not try to be the guy that's going to step out. You know how most seven footers now step out trying to knock down the the three point shot. He has to be a big guy, a boozer in the middle that goes down, punishes people, rebounds, blocks shots. Uh, and then when they throw it down into him, he needs to score the basketball.
3: Let's go back to college basketball real quick. Uh, theoretically, uh, just daydreaming down the road, uh, you could talk to Phoenix uh, about, uh, hey, when you get to Illinois, you could be playing UCLA and Southern Cal <laughs> in, a, in a conference uh, game. It could be some, some big road trips there, huh?
0: Yeah, big road trips. You know, I, I'm, I was totally surprised by that. I, I can't. I mean, the Big Ten does not look anything what it looked like when I was in school, you know, because we were mainly just Midwest schools. And now, you know, I think when I think of UCLA and USC, I think of the Pac-10. When I think of Rutgers and Maryland, I think ACC and, and Big East and Atlantic 10. Atlant- yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, the landscape has changed. And uh, I just thought, uh, what, what are we now? It's, it's not it's 14 teams in the Big Ten now? There 14 right now. will
3: we'll be 16 when they come in, yeah, in, in a couple of years.
0: Oh, wow. Wow, that's, that's something else. Well, it'll be some nice road trips. I mean, listen, get your suntan lotion out and your <laughs> swimsuit and all that stuff when you go out to California.
5: <laughs> and they might be coming into a little snow when they play at Wisconsin late in the season too. <laughs> that's,
0: that's where we will have the advantage. That's where we will have the advantage. Uh, hey, listen, don't, don't, don't bet on them winning games when they come to the Midwest. <laughs>
3: Kendall, we'll let you get back inside there down in Atlanta. We appreciate you stepping out and talking to us. Always good to check up uh, with you and look forward to seeing you. See you Monday.
0: Okay, guys. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye you luck. bet.
3: That's Kendall Gill speaking with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk from Atlanta, Georgia. His son, Phoenix, playing in, in this open period. There's uh, Illinois coaches and all college coaches are out and about on the road, some in Kansas City, some in Atlanta.
5: Sounds like Phoenix is really making a big jump. I mean, he he wasn't even on the varsity this this last year
3: at Saint right. Ignatius High School. Yep. Yeah. Uh, didn't didn't of course play. Got a heck of a team. <laughs> yeah, they did.
5: But uh, he'll be a standout, I'm sure. In the
3: well, we had Joe Hendrickson on a couple of weeks ago, and he uh, he was pretty high on his oh, yeah. improvement. And yeah. hey, he's only going to be a sophomore, right? So he's got time to improve, no doubt.
1: Yeah,
5: he's got a lot of years.
3: Kendall was a late bloomer. The he really like, was. It sounds like Phoenix might be blooming a little earlier.
5: Yeah. I altogether different. And Kendall was way behind. I mean, he in terms of physically. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, he just from his freshman to his sophomore year, he just jumped. Yep. Changed his body.
3: Nine twenty seven is the time. Alumni Fellow Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. We'll take a break. We'll be back and talk uh, about things from the Notre Dame point of view. We'll keep the phone lines open if you want to jump in as well. We're back after this. Moving up on 9.30 here on the live lot of Saturday sports talk. Phone line is open 217-356-9397. The Wimbledon women's finals are even up at a set apiece as that is uh, being played. The men's final coming up tomorrow in the uh, world of tennis. Going to talk uh, some expansion as it might uh, involve uh, Notre Dame coming up here in just a moment. We have uh, with us from uh, South Bend... Their uh, beat writer for basketball, Tom Knoll, is with us from the South Bend uh, Tribune. Tom, you're on with uh, Lawrence Tate, and yours truly, Steve Kelly. How are you this morning?
7: What's
4: happening, fellas? Great to be with you on this beautiful Saturday in July.
3: It almost feels like a Saturday in September, doesn't it? A little bit no, cooler.
4: No, 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 no. We're not saying that. We're not, <laughs>
3: we're
4: not ready. We're not ready for college football just yet.
3: Forty-nine days till the first game for Illinois, oh. so it's uh, at least getting into uh, to uh, sight. We wanted to talk uh, talk to you a little bit about uh, Notre Dame and all these conference expansions and uh, what their position might be. Are they uh, kind of standing pat on uh, what they've felt over the years?
4: You know, when USC and UCLA joined the Big Ten or announced joint, their plans to join the Big Ten, what was it, like eight days ago, everybody kind of thought, uh-oh, here we go again, the old the proverbial seismic shift of college athletics. Who's going to make the, big, the, the next big move? First, it was Oklahoma and Texas. Then, as we just said, USC and UCLA. And all eyes looked at Notre Dame like, all right, Notre Dame's up. They're, they're ready. They're going to join the Big Ten. It's going to happen. But as we get further and further from that announcement bombshell from the two teams out in Los Angeles, it just seems like Notre Dame's good right now being an independent, but they will never fully close the door, especially – if their path to the college football playoff is impeded by this impending two-super-conference system that we're seemingly hurtling toward.
5: Why, Tom, this is... Why would it be impeded? I mean, if they're ranked in the top ten in the country, which their talent is always going to have them up there, I would think, why Why would they be impeded? Why wouldn't they just be as, as good off in the future as they are right now?
4: Well, let's say we do. We go to two super conference route, Lauren. And okay, they go twenty teams, or they go eighteen teams, whatever teams they have in the Big Ten, and they 18, 20 teams, whatever they have in the SEC, and the new playoff format. They just decide, you know what? It's going to be a twelve team format, or even it's going to let's say it's going to be a ten team format, and they're just going to say, we're taking five teams from the best league in the country, which would be the Big Ten, and we're taking five teams from the second best league in the country which would be the SEC, and everybody else, whether you play in the ACC, whether you're in the independent, whether you're in the Big 12, whether you're in the remnants of whatever the Pac-12, soon to be Pac-10 is going to be, you're just left on the outside because we play the best football in the Big 10. We play the best football in the SEC. So we're just going to take our five or six best teams and hold a national championship from there.
5: Well, I I just can't imagine that that will happen. I mean that that's that's a that's a stretch. I mean, but you know,
4: so was so was Oklahoma and Texas going to the ACC? And I I think it's a little bit of a stretch saying UCLA and USC are members of the Big Ten. But here we are in 2022.
5: Well, basically, what you're saying is is money is not a factor, but but. the fact, if if there's any problem getting in a, in a national play, I mean, the national championship is what Notre Dame goes after every year, and uh, I can understand that. But uh, boy, there, what what's that contract with uh, with NBC going to look like two years from now when they redo it?
4: Probably what it looks like now eighteen, nineteen, twenty two million dollars. Nothing to what it's going to look like if you're a member of the Big Ten and you're getting a hundred million dollars from your television contract. So. That's the one of the biggest misnomers that they have that people have about Notre Dame is well they're independent because they're just out for out 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 for the the most money. They leave so much money on the table being an independent that it would it would be in their best interest to join the conference if money was the overriding factor.
5: Well, I guess it's a good position to be in when you, when the money, I mean they're they're getting by financially every year aren't they budget wise?
4: <laughs> yeah. They, they can do well. They, they do well financially every year. But at this point, maybe they say, you know what? We want to do a little bit better. Like the, 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 the Notre Dame football program is not the cash register, the instant ATM that it had been in the past for so many years with the Notre Dame uh, entire athletic department. Like it's, it's, it's very cost prohibitive for Notre Dame to, to be in the ACC for travel, for lodging, for just expenses to go to the ACC, not necessarily to play a men's basketball or a women's basketball game, but soccer, golf, uh, volleyball, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a hard. It's a hard financial ask for Notre Dame to be in the ACC. Being in the in the Big Ten would alleviate a lot of that stress that the athletic department feels financially every year.
3: Do you f- think that uh, people are thinking along those lines? That that would make this decision? Now, I'm not talking about the fans, but I would like to know what you think the fans feel about this. But as far as the administration goes, do you think they're thinking about this differently now than in the past?
4: It all depends on what the whole college football playoff situation is. like. That's that Everybody talks about how Notre Dame is the biggest ne- next domino, so to speak, the fall in this whole college realignment, but it all depends on what the college football playoff is going to look like when that current deal expires, is it going to be eight teams? Is it going to be 10 teams? Is it going to be 12 teams? Who's going to make those decisions on these are going to be the teams that are going to be in the college football playoff? I think Jack Swarbrick, he's the athletic director at Notre Dame. He's on that college football playoff committee. He helped draft the original 12 team plan, playoff plan that was uh, subsequently scrapped last year by the members of the ACC and a couple other leagues. So, it, it, it all depends on what the college football playoff plan is. If, if Greg Sankey, he's the, he's the commissioner of the SEC, he's very close with Jack Swarbrick. If Greg Sankey goes to Jack Swarbrick and says, Jack, I guarantee you Notre Dame will have a place in the new college football playoff, whatever that format's going to look like. I guarantee you Notre Dame's going to have a, a place. Notre Dame will, will still remain an independent at that point
5: and and how do you see the schedule in the future I mean, how many years ahead is the Notre Dame schedule <laughs> right now
4: it, it it's ridiculous i think they're scheduled out through 2034 oh boy 35 so independent from an independent standpoint they worked on those schedules years in advance yeah and it was a funny it was a funny situation because every time a, a new team would pop up on a schedule like they're playing Arkansas in 2027, or they're playing, uh, Mich- I think Michigan comes on, Michigan's supposed to come on, I think, in 2030-something, and and a, a reporter would eventually ask former Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly, hey, what do you think about that Michigan game in 2032? And he just going <laughs> to roll his eyes. He'd roll his eyes and be like, you know what, I'll be long gone when that <laughs> game gets played. So yeah, Notre, Dame's, Notre Dame is scheduled out, I'd say, the next 12, 13, 14 seasons.
5: Are they scheduled against uh, Southern Cal every year? I mean they play them every year for since every, 1926 I think they've played them almost every year.
4: Every single season Notre Dame uh, w- prefers and see this is another aspect of their independence. Every single year Notre Dame prefers to end its regular season in California uh in the uh, or in the even years so 22 this will be the year in the even years they play at USC in the Coliseum in downtown Los Angeles, and in the odd years, they go up to Northern California and play Stanford. So that's they prefer to do that. That's uh, the fact that they're independent. That gives them the scheduling option to say we want to end every regular season in California.
3: Talking to Tom Noe from the uh, South Bend Tribune. You cover basketball. What's the basketball viewpoint on all this? Uh, are they happy with the arrangement? they have their Notre Dame for that?
4: They are. And, you know, Mike Bray, he, he was uh, at an AAU tournament the last couple of days out in Kansas City doing some recruiting, and he was asked probably 35, 40, 50 times, <laughs> hey, what conference are you guys going to be in? And his stock answer is, you know what, any conference we want to play in. Like, that, it's it's been such change since Mike Bray has been here, this will be his 23rd year in South Bend, whether it was first in the Big East and the Big East conference changed. I, I lose track of how many times that conference changed, six, seven, eight times with formats, with teams leaving, with teams being added. Then they've been in the ACC now for 10 years. So Mike Bray is just like like Mr. Easygoing guy. Like I don't care what conference they put, they put us in. I don't care who we play. We'll just go play basketball and try and make the NCAA tournament every
3: year. Where do you see this ending? Maybe it never ends. I don't know. But where do you see this going? As far as are we looking at twenty team conferences or beyond?
4: Yeah, I, I think it's at least twenty for the Big Ten and the SEC, and it's going to be it's basically going to be the halves, and the halves will be the Big Ten and the SEC, and the others will be the have nots. Like it'll be it'll be conferences that are cobbled together. Like look at the plans of the Pac twelve. Since USC and UCLA left, maybe we'll go get Boise State. Maybe we'll get Gonzaga just for basketball. Maybe we'll get UNLV or, or, or San Diego State. And the Big Twelve is saying we're going to maybe get these teams or that teams, these, these teams. And if the and the ACC says if Clemson and Florida State and Miami jump to the SEC, what are we going to be? You know, it's it's just an odd situation of, of just when you think all the dust settles. Along comes another Oklahoma-Texas bombshell or USC-UCLA bombshell. I think for now, it's going to quiet down as as leagues and commissioners kind of try to figure out where this is all going. But it's never going to end. Like we thought it was going to end when Notre Dame joined the ACC back in 2011. Like that's the end of conference realignment as we know it. It's just an ever-evolving process of schools chasing that almighty football dollar.
5: Uh, Tom, what's behind uh, the tremendous surge of recruiting by Notre Dame this season uh, for the 2023 uh, class? Um, Is the NIL a part of that?
4: The, The number one reason, maybe the number two, the number three, the number four reason is one name, and that's Marcus Freeman. And he has said from day one when he took over for Brian Kelly way back in early December, My main priority is recruit, recruit, recruit. If Notre Dame brought in a four-star prospect, if Notre Dame brought in a five-star prospect, if Notre Dame brought in a player of the year, he would be lucky if he talked with Brian Kelly for about two minutes. Is that right? That's That's how Brian Kelly operated as the head coach of the University of Notre Dame football program. It was more of a CEO. Like, I'm in the corner office. I'll let my assistants handle the recruiting. If I've got 30 seconds free in my schedule during a recruiting weekend, maybe I'll I'll, I'll pop in and and uh, share a word with the recruit. But since Marcus Freeman has taken over, he has said, I have to be the lead recruiter on every single player that walks through this door, whether he's an offensive lineman or a quarterback or a linebacker or a wide receiver. And his staff has just kind of followed his lead. And it's just been it's it, it's it's almost the difference between night and day, the way Brian Kelly operated as a recruiter and the way Marcus Freeman is now operating as a recruiter, and we've seen the results.
5: How I, I ask about NIL is Notre Dame pretty uh, well engaged in that?
4: They are, but it, it's it, it, I see this a lot in covering the Notre Dame men's basketball team. They, it, the, the Notre Dame student athlete is on that campus for reasons other than just. Hey, come pay me you know i I want dollars or I want this amount they They have that all baked into the the entire academic athletic experience of Notre Dame to where yeah Nil matters, but it's not mattering to the point where uh, a four star linebacker from South carolina who's the who's the state player of the year is going up to Marcus Freeman and saying i i I want x millions of dollars or two million dollars or whatever some of these crazy figures that you see some of these other schools being involved in, it's, it's different at Notre Dame. It's, it's kind of a, a collection and a collaborative effort led by Brady Quinn, the former Irish quarterback to where, to where there's a collective. You, you sign it, you sign up, you get involved with that. And then that's how you make your NIL money. But Notre Dame is never going to get involved in in kids that are asking for four or five, $6 million. It's just not going to happen.
5: Tom, I want to go back to the uh, to the ACC because there are teams there are they're they're all they've all got that contract, and with the ESPN, it goes through 2036. Can can let's say Clemson wants out, can they get out? I mean, could Notre Dame get out if they really wanted to? I mean, it looks like that's a pretty ironclad contract.
4: Well, Notre Dame is not tied to the grant of rights deal in the ACC through football, and that's where most of the money will be tied up in. From a legal standpoint, okay, if this if it, if this has to go to court, and it's, and and you're looking at, say Clemson, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, like we talked about earlier, those are the three teams that if the SEC wants to expand and wants to pick off a couple of teams from the ACC, those are the three teams that are probably going to be looked at the hardest. Can they challenge the the grant of rights in the ACC? The ACC may say, you know what we're going to let you out before 2036, but it's going to cost you $30 million. Well, you're going to pay that $30 million fee on the front end, but on the back end in the SEC, you might be making 95 to $100 million in revenue. So it's, it's something where nobody has challenged it, but if a team wants out bad enough from the ACC to go to the SEC or from the ACC to go to the Big Ten, if they want out bad enough, they'll challenge that grant of rights deal and say, if we have to pay $20 million to make 100000000 million, we'll just pay it.
3: Well, Tom, the good news about all this is it gives us uh, something to talk about. You guys something to write about <laughs> to, during what uh, used to be the offseason, right?
4: And we're way too busy at Notre Dame in the offseason for this. We should be relaxing, getting ready. Fall camp starts in like four weeks. Notre Dame's going to open up the season at Ohio State over Labor Day weekend. That's all the focus that we should be on. Oh, as man. Said, it's, it's, whoa, what's, yeah, that's that's Marcus Freeman's first game, first regular season game as a head coach, is at Ohio State on Labor Day Saturday night in front of 120,000 people where, oh, by the way, Marcus Freeman played at Ohio State. So we'll be here before we know
3: it. And, by the You're, way, both those teams in the top ten preseason.
5: The loser of that game cannot lose another game all season. Nope. I mean that's if you lose one more game, if you lose two games, you're not going to be in the final four.
4: Well, see Ohio State will have a path back because they can lose another game during the regular season and maybe if everything works out correctly, still play for a Big 10 championship.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And and the and the winner of the Big 10 championship will, will probably get the automatic bid to the college football playoffs. So, it's easier for Ohio State it's not easy for Notre Dame, especially if they get run off that field that Saturday night in Labor Day, because their schedule their is really tough, whether it's BYU in Las Vegas, home against Clemson, and like we mentioned earlier, they're going to close the regular season out in Los Angeles against a USC team that's not going to look anything like the USC teams that Notre Dame teams have been used to, to seeing.
3: That's Tom Noy from the uh, South Bend Tribune. Appreciate your time. Good to check in with you. Maybe we'll be uh, talking again along the way.
4: You got it, guys. Have a great
3: summer. Take you care. too. It is 9.47. We'll take a break. and we'll be back with more. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397, on I Pella Saturday Sports Talk. 9.50, I Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Talk a little baseball here for a few minutes, but an open line, 217-356-9397. Cardinals are reeling. Lost seven of the last nine, including a 2-0 game uh, last night to Philadelphia. they got three more games with the Phillies, and then some games with the Dodgers and Reds before the All-Star break. Speaking of the All-Star game, Paul Goldschmidt will be the starting first baseman for the National League. Wilson Contreras, at uh, catcher for the National League. Tim Anderson, the starting shortstop for the American League. Albert Pujols, an honorary member of the National League team. Miguel Cabrera, the same for the American League team. That's good that they bring him in there. Yeah. They're last years for those guys, but uh and it's the All-Star game is at uh, Dodger Stadium coming up uh, later this month. So be
5: And Arenado just missed ma- behind Machado at third base and boy Arenado's having a terrific year.
3: That's he is and same way with Goldsmith. There's a lot of good first basemen and uh, there are a lot of good third basemen. Those uh, races, although Goldie won his pretty handedly, but there's uh, a lot of guys in consideration for those corner infield spots. I
5: just wonder how much defense plays into the vote. Yeah. But, my goodness, it plays it. Uh, I mean, Arenado's making more plays than I've ever seen a third baseman make. And I, I, I watched Brooks Robinson in his day. And, you know, there have been a lot of good third basemen. But, man, oh, man, what he's doing.
3: He is, I guess, would— He's passed uh, my previous favorite Cardinal third baseman, who I thought was the best Cardinal what, third baseman. What, Whitey Kurowski? No. Boyer? Boyer was there for a long time, <laughs> but I think Scott Rowland passed him. Okay. As far as an right. all-around player and a good defensive third baseman. Uh, Arenado is kind of that guy now, don't you think?
5: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, think, yeah, I do. I, I don't know that he's uh, necessarily a much better hitter than Rowland. I think he's. I thought Roland was really good on defense. I think Arenado's in another world defensively.
3: True. True. Uh, the Cubs are thirty-four and fifty now. They're thirteen and a half games back. They've won six of their last ten.
5: I, the Cubs are getting some pitching from time to time. They're getting some better hitting. I mean, they. I don't know if if uh, I don't know if they'll ever get back to five hundred because they're so so far behind. But uh, they're playing better baseball right now. They've won uh, what. Uh, Five of the last six series, and they're one and one against the Dodgers right now. Right. So they've got a chance if they win today, or uh, is that, uh, they got an, uh, two more games uh, Saturday and Sunday, I suppose? Yep. So anyway, they've won five of the last six. That's, that's pretty good.
3: The Major League uh, trade deadline is August the 2nd.
5: <clears throat> oh boy, they've got to figure out what they're doing with Contreras.
3: They've got to figure out that. The Cardinals got to figure out what they're going to do as far as starting pitching goes and catching. And catching.
5: I mean, they need some hitting at the at behind the plate. Maybe. They really
3: do. They, guys have had a chance yeah. <laughs> to, to to nail that down while Yachty's gone, and nobody's done it.
5: Well, everybody else has got the ninth position has got a hitter in there. The Cardinals are still playing like it's the old. one. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the pitchers batting in the ninth spot, except like he's to, a catcher.
3: I'd like to know what uh you know what the real expectations are for Yachty coming back because it. it It's not looking very good. I mean, I I think he'll be back, but this is longer than I thought it would be.
5: This is always the problem with older players, and you know this is true, that injuries are more likely.
3: Are you saying that because I'm old?
5: No, I'm saying it's – no, you're not old. You're young. (laughs) Not in this room. (laughs) I'm old. I know what old is. (laughs) In this room, I'm a youngster.
3: (laughs) But you're right. Yeah, it's tough to bounce back. I saw one of the uh, Cardinals sites uh, suggesting – the Cardinals take a look at maybe making a deal for uh, Madison Baumgartner from the uh, Diamondbacks. He's got a contract that apparently is not a, a killer. But
5: he's got a problem. losing record. I, mean, I, know, I know who he is, but, uh, you know, he was once a great pitcher.
3: Well, and a lot of talk about the, the guy at Oakland, um, Mantis, I think is his name. Well, he's three and eight. He's pitching on a bad team. And then he got a. Shoulder well, ding this week, Well, too. Mance
5: is going to be back here in another day or two, isn't he? I mean, he's been pitching in... in yeah, in, but is he
3: going to be back and be any good?
5: Well, I don't know. I mean, is Hudson going to be any good? <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> Everybody's got uh, issues like that, but we'll we'll see how how things go there. But uh, we're almost to the All-Star break. Yep. yep. Another couple of series. Cardinals have 10 games, uh, which began last night, 10 games at home going into the break.
5: That's... Well, they're three and a half behind Milwaukee now, so they need to at least get a little tighter, if they can. But yep. I, it it it's it's going to be a tough pull with the starting pitching that they have right now. It's just really shaky. There's just almost almost not quite almost nobody you can really count on for a really strong game now. Wainwright pitched nine innings last night and and did a really good job, but it was a wet it was a Hum- the humidity was the game was delayed because of rain. There was a lot of humidity, and that really helps this curveball. I mentioned that to you yesterday. I, mm-hmm. I think this, the curveball really makes a difference when there's humidity.
3: And there was. It rained like the, like the Dickens. There, and you get a little
5: more break on it. I don't know why, but it, that it, it, that's way it works.
3: It uh, postponed the start of that game about an hour, and then it moves along pretty quick. The pitchers were throwing ten, twelve pitches an inning, getting yeah. getting out of their uh, situations there and turning it over and uh, Phillies went on to win that by a score of two to nothing. Nine fifty-five is the time. If you've been uh, thinking about uh, replacing your windows or doors at your home, how about a trip to the Galani Pella Window and Door Showroom in Champaign, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign? Whether you're looking for new or replacement windows or doors, the showroom is the best place to go to see their products in person. You can discover the beauty of the wood windows the ease of the the between-the-glass blinds, or the durability of fiberglass entry doors. You know, Pella has been rated over the years the number one uh, location by Champagne homeowners as the window brand that can improve the value of your home. The Pella experts know all about what type of window or door works best in each unique situation, and working with them is easy, from the process of finding out what you want, to the ordering process, to the... Installation as well Build in some lead time though If you're thinking about this project Get out there and get started with a conversation At the uh, showroom Learn more about the styles, materials, and options And the Pella Willow team uh, Pella Window team has the uh, knowledge And experience to help you find the perfect Pella product for your project Monday through Friday 8 to 5 are their hours And open by appointment on Saturday Check out the website Pellaofchampagne.com 9.57 9.57 we'll take a break and be back with hour number two we'll talk more about uh, the cardinals and major league baseball with will leach also about conference expansion with will leach howard griffith will join us at ten thirty in the uh, next hour as well back with more after this my name is denise martin i'm a diehard Illini fan and admittedly love the cubs When it comes to financial
8: planning, most financial companies ask, what's your salary? At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we ask, what's your story? We know building the right financial plan means looking at more than money. That's why we start by asking the right questions, listening to what matters most to you, then guiding you every step of the way to help you live the life you want now and years from now. Call us today at 217-355-9390.
2: It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly.
3: Welcome back to the program, hour number two of Alani Palace Saturday's sports talk. Over across the pond at Wimbledon, Elena Rybakina has won the women's championship.
5: From Kazakhstan, originally born in Russia, and three. by the way, all the Russians were not allowed in. But she would she had moved uh, long since. She's been playing out of uh, Kazakhstan for a number of years.
3: She won in three sets for the uh, women's singles championship at Wimbledon. The men's singles is scheduled for tomorrow we welcome into the program will leach good morning will how are you
8: Uh, very well thank you as always good to check guys
3: saw some uh, news of you this week you were in in atlanta watching uh, your beloved st louis cardinals play baseball did you see more than one game were you there for the whole series or what
8: i i did i was in Smyrna, Georgia, I always feel obliged to point out that they they put the stadium out in suburban Atlanta (laughs) rather than Atlanta. But, uh, yes, I saw two. The good news is um, by the third inning, I already knew the result of both games (laughs) I
1: was going to because
8: the Cardinals had fallen around so quick. I did not go to the one win in that series. And, yeah, you know, it's funny. It's a good reminder. I think this can be forgotten a little bit. You know, I've been going to Braves games. I live in Athens, obviously. I've been going to Braves games for a few years. Uh, it's it's funny when your team wins the World Series, a lot more fans show up the next season. It's funny how mm. that works. But we were all remarking how crowded the stadium was, really for almost than has been any other Cardinal game we've ever been to out there. They're they're pretty excited. I always kind of assumed that the Braves were mostly just something for like Southern sports fans to do until college football started. But when you win the World Series, it does get pretty people pretty excited, and that that team is rolling right now, which is. The opposite of what the Cardinals are doing right now. So uh, it was pretty, a pretty grueling couple of days.
3: Well, how's that uh, new stadium? How's the setup? How's the location?
8: Yeah, it's a, it's a very nice stadium. They, they, they've done a pretty good job. With it. It's got really good sideline. Uh, location is, is difficult. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. I think, uh, you know, that stadium was built mo- almost entirely. entirely with public funds and uh, and because and so they basically moved the stadium to where whoever whatever suburban uh, Georgia area Atlanta area would pay for it for them and so they piped to move it next to where for if anyone spit time in in uh, in the Atlanta area right on a uh, two eighty five and seventy five which is basically, uh, imagine how busy it must be with Atlanta, one of the worst traffic cities in the country, at a major intersection of uh, two major freeways <laughs> right outside. It's a huge, huge, uh, terrible mess. That's exactly what they built the stadium. So it's a really difficult time to get out there. Once you get out there, it's a very, very nice stadium, but a lot, a lot of time <laughs> to get out there because it's a, it's a big pain. Atlanta Atlanta traffic, and I have to say after years of driving uh, in Illinois, uh, Uh, Just so you know, Illinois drivers are about 80,000 times better than Georgia drivers. So (laughs) so you have to allow for that as well.
3: We're approaching uh, the all-star break coming up here in uh, 10 days or so. And uh, as far as the Cardinals are concerned, uh, you follow them and you write for MLB.com. Are you proposing any any moves by the Cardinals before the trade deadline, uh, August 2nd?
8: I think they should certainly make some. I don't think they're going to, though. It's kind of not really in the Cardinals' personality for better, and I should say in this case certainly worse. You know, They are inherently a, uh, a cautious kind of conservative organization in ways that has often benefited of them, right? Like by not making kind of crazy wild moves, they basically had pretty good teams for 20 years. <laughs> I think that's really been a benefit. But there, when you don't shoot, for the moon, which the Cardinals really kind of organizationally, they're very kind of content to like go for 87-88 wins every year, try to win the NL Central, but not try to make big, huge swings. I think you've seen when the, uh, during a stretch where they're at right now as a good example of this, kind of the limitations of that, in that uh, if anything goes wrong, and we've seen stuff go wrong with that pitching staff, it's hard for them to go out. They, they always convince they're always convinced that they're Their system and the way that they run things is going to be the way to fix it rather than trying to to do some sort of outside move. Even last year, when they traded for John Lester and Jay Happ, it was like, first off, those moves were mocked incorrectly, as it turned out. But certainly those were made made of absolute desperation. They don't think they're in that kind of position right now. I'm not sure I agree, to be honest. I think that what you're seeing right now in these struggles against uh, the Braves and uh, the Phillies, and listen, they've got the Dodgers next week, I think you're seeing the ceiling for this Cardinals team. There's a lot, obviously. There's a lot of talent on the team, but I think on the on the, the pitching is they, they've kind of wish casted their pitching a little bit rather than really kind of addressed it. And you're seeing the problems right now. And I think, sure, when they get back to playing the Cubs and Pirates and Reds, maybe they'll look like they'll look like this kind of a high quality team again. But I think right now you're kind of seeing what they are, which is a team that's got real potential and it's got some clear stars in the middle. But hasn't really addressed it's the things that it really needs to address, so I think you're seeing the the, the scene starting to fray a little bit right now
5: well well, I want to get you back on the 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 college trail uh, and talk to you about u uh, s c and u c l a and can you uh, can do you realize that that's really happened <laughs> <laughs>
8: it's, it's certainly it's certainly strange one of my one of my best friends from Mattoon, where I grew up uh, Tim Grierson went to u s c for film school in college. And I, I, I would have never thought that, well, like, okay, I'll see you in the, as a conference rival in 20, <laughs> 10, 25 years is very, very bizarre. Uh, you know, and I, it's funny because it seems strange, though, because it doesn't actually feel that way. Even with, big, even with USC and UCLA when they're in the Big Ten, it feels less like, listen, when, Pitt, when, the, when Penn State famously kind of came in, or even Nebraska and Rutgers, at a certain level it felt strange, but we all understood, like, okay, well, they're in the Big Ten now. We know how this works. They're in the Big Ten. We, the, the, we, we all understand what the Big Ten is and what it will mean for these schools to be in it. I'm not sure I feel that way about USC and UCLA, which is to say, this still feels, I know that there's been many talks about like, we're not looking for new teams, and we're not looking to expand. I feel like that's something I've heard a lot in the last four or five years in college sports. It, uh, for me, even more than Oklahoma and Texas going to to, to, the, to the SEC, this really felt like a oh, we're really just going to get into two big conferences, aren't we? <laughs> and, and I understand that right now the Big 12 and the Pac-12 and, and the ACC are kind of scrambling to kind of keep it together. And I understand that. But, you know, really we're only kind of one or two big moves away from this starting to separate into 32 or maybe, if we're lucky, 48 uh, or, or 64 teams, really just kind of having their own kind of two major conferences because at a certain level – when the money is the way it is, if you're in the like, it's a really a game of musical chairs, right? And we saw this uh, to a lesser extent. Remember Cincinnati a few years ago, where they kind of got left out uh, and kind of put in the group of five. Now you're seeing this in kind of a macro level. You know, uh, certainly it's not, I don't think it's not going to be a problem for established uh, uh, teams like, like Illinois and then in the Big Ten and so on. But like, if you're Kansas State or you're you know or you're uh, Texas Tech or or even Stanford or Duke or something like that, you've got to be a little concerned that you're going to be left out because there's only going to be so many spots. That's the worry for me is it doesn't feel like it. it, it does. It, I know that USC and UCLA being in the Big Ten is strange, but to be honest, it's starting to not actually feel that much like the Big Ten as much anymore. So like for me, it's, it's starting to feel a little less like the Big Ten and more like it, uh, college football North. Because <laughs> I think it was the way it's ultimately going to go in a way that uh, I don't know. I I understand why they're doing it, and I know a lot of these schools are making these decisions in uh, uh, for their best interest during a chaotic time because no one's really in charge. But at A certain level, I feel like uh, uh, things are changing in a way that uh, I'm not sure that you can you can put things back put put the put put pen, open, close Pandora's box uh, back again.
5: Well, here's the question I've got: disregarding Notre Dame, just leave them out of it is there anybody that you see that would help the big 10 financially because all these decisions are based on getting more help from the los angeles uh, area or you know they're they're looking for tv viewers is what they're looking for who would help
8: yeah i'm not sure they would but i don't i'm not sure that's the right way to frame it though because that kind of mindset that like hey who's going to get us our best tv numbers is actually kind of what put us in this problem in the first place because the problem is sure there probably i don't see any like real logic big huge one here they're nerd obviously being the exception but eventually like the thing about sports is you actually do need teams that are others right you need you need kansas state you need you know you need texas tech you need stanford you need these places to kind of like fill out kind of the fabric of college of college football and I think this obsession understandable in the short term with television ratings or eyeballs or so on and don't get me wrong I think it sometimes leads to weird decisions like pretending Rutgers is in New York or that anyone in New York cares about Rutgers at all right. uh, but but I but I do understand that when, when you're trying if you just if, when people just think about it as trying to get like eyeballs who's the best eyeballs for this league, you inevitably like it becomes a whole sport of teams that will get eyeballs and teams that don't. But you totally still need those teams that don't get eyeballs. You need them to be a part of this. You need underdogs. You, to me, one of the wor- most worrisome things about this. Matt Norlander from CBS Sports wrote about this a while back. The idea that like the logical terrifying extension of this is, hey, why do we need these smaller teams in the NCAA tournament? They don't bring in eyeballs. And, so, and I think that's the worry. It's I don't I. I think under the current way that they're thinking about it, there's not a logical team left that's going to like USC and UCLA were the smart things to do. And, and were able to do that. The problem is, is eventually you do te- you do actually need teams to be taken seriously in a part of college sports that might not necessarily be huge television revenue generators. And, and I think that that's sort of the problem is once we have a TV teams and not TV teams, also, frankly, I know Illinois is in a good space now, but like I hope they, uh, you know, but look at a team like Northwestern. They feel really, really comfortable right now because they're in the Big Ten. But 10, fifteen years down the road, if we're really just going on, okay, well, who gets a lot of television eyes? Northwestern doesn't get that. It's <laughs> probably the best way to put it. Maybe if we're being truly cold blooded about this and we're getting rid of all tradition whatsoever well, why is Northwestern in the Big Ten? Why is why why are these things at a certain level? And I, I think that's kind of the scary thing about it. I think you've got to still think, we because there's no one in charge of college sports, no one is thinking about anything other than just short-term television numbers, but I think it's in danger of changing this in a way that people are not going to like and potentially could really hurt that golden goose that we've all kind of gotten used to to giving us all this revenue.
5: We just talked to Tom Noy from South Bend, and and he says that Notre Dame is not, going to be influenced or i don't know if that's the right word influenced by the dollars i mean they're already operating at a much less uh income from um from media rights than they could get if they wanted to join the big 10 for example i mean they're they're maybe half i mean they're 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 in the thirty thirty million 30 million range 15 million of it from uh nbc and and they—they they just seem like they're, that they're, they'll do anything to remain independent in football. That seems to be the only goal that they want to win a national championship and they want to be independent.
8: I mean, and I and I, I both understand and admire that. Eventually, they're going to need somebody to play, <laughs> and, and I think that and if this continues to evolve, I know everyone kind of. I feel like Notre Dame right now is a big stalwart that's kind of like. The fact that they've taken that stance is kind of helping slow this progress. Because if Notre Dame right now says, oh, yeah, we're in the Big Ten, then the pretense is over. Oh, well. Point. And, and, yeah, and then, then everything, then the floodgates are truly open. So I almost kind of appreciate Notre Dame doing that. But it is hard to make the argument that that stance is sustainable over a long term, the way things are going in college sports right now. I like that stance. I like that they're doing that stance. I wish they would stick to it. It's just hard to see how that happens. When the, when the, to, the, that's why I thought USC and UCLA was indeed different than Oklahoma and, and Texas. Like, Oklahoma and Texas, you could see the Big 12 was in a little bit of trouble.
1: Like, mm-hmm. The Big
8: 12 was in a little bit of trouble, and, and you can see a little bit with the Pac-12 as well. But, like, also, Oklahoma and Texas, you can make an argument to be like, okay, there's sensibilities there with the SEC. Uh, there's, there's still some – there's clear Oklahoma's a little west, but otherwise – Geographically, it tends to, to hold up as much as Missouri does uh, in any way in that regard. USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, particularly because now people talk about Notre Dame being a pivotal team. To me, Oregon is a very pivotal team as well because they're not going to sit there and be like 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 they're they're Nike. I mean, like Oregon is one of the most powerful co- co- college football organizations, college sports organizations in the entire country. The idea, the minute that Oregon, like whatever Oregon wants. They're going to get, and if they decide, you know what, there's no reason for us to be in the Pac-12 anymore, they're going to leave and probably go to the Big Ten. And at that point, again, the floodgates are open. If that happens, Notre Dame, sure, I'm sure Notre Dame will tell itself that, oh, we're just happy playing Army and and BYU and just filling out our schedule all the way throughout the year. I I just think long-term, the way this is going, Notre Dame, financially or not, Eventually, they're going to want to be a part of what's going on, and, and, uh, and I think they're going to, and if they don't, I think eventually they won't have any choice, which is a shame because I like what they're doing, but uh, I, I just don't see it holding up the way it's holding up right now.
5: You mentioned Oregon. Can, can legislation in that state force the two schools to stay together, Oregon and Oregon State? Can there, would that hold up at all in in court?
3: Oh, man. Well,
8: I, I'm not entirely sure what will hold up in court or what won't hold up in court anymore. But I will say that at a certain level that uh, uh, I, I suspect that the the difference in power between Oregon alums and Oregon state alums and their subsequent lobbyists, I would argue will make uh, legislation like that difficult to uphold, or difficult to even make happen. I understand what they're trying to do, but it feels a little bit like no seriously, Illinois and UIC need to play every year, like every three years. We need to make sure that <laughs> that's happened. It feels like people that that aren't necessarily involved in the day to day understanding of how these Kentucky. how sports works to make that happen.
5: Steve, you you're for uh, you you know about Kentucky. Do, do they have an agreement with Louisville? Is that is that mandated, or, is, or are they doing it willingly?
3: Well, it was mandated at one time by the legislature that they would they would re- return. To playing each other after a long absence of not playing each other,
5: and I think Iowa and Iowa State have a similar thing in football.
8: Could be, I mean, I, but I mean Iowa and Iowa State are like closer, like like to to each other. Oregon and Oregon State. The difference is, I mean, Oregon is a titan of college sports because of Nike, and I think that to me is the major difference there. As a certain level, Oregon, if if Oregon wants to do something, they're going to do it because their Nike is too powerful, of course in college athletics, for, and, and Phil Knight is too invested in the Oregon program to him for them to be left behind in any way, shape, or form at all. If it turns out that, hey, okay, part of the deal is Oregon State, fine, you have to come with us uh, to this, to, to this uh, sort of program, and maybe it's being nicer to Oregon State, but uh, the idea that, uh, that Oregon is not going to do what it wants, uh, in this situation, I think. They're the other power. Like, the Notre Dame, almost for opposite reasons, right? Notre Dame is a power because of tradition, because they're kind of like iconoclastic and they want to do their own thing. Oregon is the other way. Oregon is the, we're going to get, like, the, in many ways, they are the new direction. They the, Nike is one of the reasons we've all gotten to this point in the first place. The idea that they're going to back off for the good of college football now seems very unlikely.
3: Another couple of minutes with Will Leach. Have you done any writing, Yet, Will, on the PGA Tour versus the LIV Tour? Yeah,
8: I wrote a little bit about, I wrote a piece about that for New York Magazine uh, a couple of weeks ago. And basically, it's hard because, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's strange to see um, the idea that the PGA Tour, which is a tour that has all sorts of problems <laughs> and has really not always been great to its golfers and has kind of gotten a little ivory tower themselves a little removed from the, uh, from, it's hard to look at them as like the populist good guys, right? <laughs> it's hard to be like, hey, save the PGA Tour. But, you know, it, I, I think that the the issue here is I think we're, we're seeing essentially not a dramatically different thing than what we're talking about in college football, which is to say a, uh, Something that we've all gotten used to. So, one of the things that Tiger Woods talked about was the money he was offered to join the LIV, the Live Tour, was more than anyone. Uh, they offered him a shocking amount of money. And he said, Listen, I grew up on the PGA Tour. I know, I, I understand its structures. I want to win the majors. I know, like, PGA Tour to me is the league as opposed to like an organization but uh, we're seeing now in this time of like huge disruption uh and not just in sports but all of american life these things can can like at a certain level if something is just being held together by oh well we just always done it that way it's funny how money can ju- can come and just blow that out of the water <laughs> and i think that you're seeing that a little bit i on one hand i am uh, certainly when you look at the these these the basically the sports washing, which is what what they, they talk about for the for the uh, for the live tour about how it's basically Saudi Arabia trying to like make the kingdom look a little better than it actually is by being involved in sports. I understand people not wanting to be necessarily invested or involved in that. On the other hand, you know the PGA tour are not <laughs> those are not angels either <laughs> in a lot of ways. So it it really speaks to. The kind of the way things are in sports across the board right now in a way that can be kind of hard for people that have been watching sports for a long time we've always known that money is the thing that really drives sports but now like the money is so big that like the, the the people that are involved with the money are not necessarily connected to the things that we love about sports and they're not connected to the reasons that we got into these sports in the first place the pga tour for all of its problems is history it's the history of golf it's how we've organized and structured the entire sport to see that blown up is both disorienting and particularly for the cause that it's being blown up for but it's also kind of the way things going are going in a lot of different realms of both sports and american society right now
5: you know i i don't know why i have this feeling but i I don't think i can see myself Following in the United States, uh, the the LIV, where I would still be interested, maybe in going to the P, to a PGA match or at least uh, one of the one of the majors. But I don't know. I just once if I stepped on the on the on the um, course, I w- would not feel right. And, and maybe yeah, yeah, that's I, just me. Yeah. I I don't.
8: No. But, I think you're right, and you know, I I think that's a decision that a lot of these golfers it speaks a little bit to kind of their mindset too, right? Like the idea that if you spent a lot of money, uh, you know, they're, when you're just thinking about the money, I think what, the thing they're doing is thinking about the money in the short term and ultimately being like, well, if the LIV thing doesn't work out, the PGA Tour isn't really going to ban us forever, are they? <laughs> and I think that's part of the bet, to be honest. I think that's actually part of the thing they're thinking. We'll see. Because, I mean, the amount of money that the LIV Tour are putting out is – a truly shocking amount. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> the idea that some of the, some of these smaller tournaments have bigger purses than the Masters or <laughs> have bigger purses than, than, the, than the U.S. Open is pretty wild when you really kind of think about it. So I, I, you can understand the short-term thinking on it. I also do not think that most of the people that have joined the LIB tour are like, oh, this thing's built to last. I can't wait to be on this tour in 50 years. I think they understand this is a short-term money play. Uh, that I agree with you I don't think I would be able to do it either but you know people accept a lot of strange things uh, the WWE being a great example of this they've been involved with uh, with the Saudi Arabian government for years now and I, I, you don't really hear a lot of people being like well I have a hard emotional time and root cheering for the WWE because they're involved with the Saudi Arabian government I think people just are able to compartmentalize that for better or really for worse
3: well what are you working on in the uh, coming days and weeks
8: Oh, I've got, I'm, I'm on final edits of the next book. The next book comes out next May. After How Lucky uh, comes out uh, next May, I'll be, I will be coming to bother you all. I assure you <laughs> about it. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we're in final edits of it now. We're at the point where I'm starting to realize, oh, wow, people are actually going to read this thing. That's always the scariest part, I think, <laughs> is realizing it no longer just exists between me and two other people. And now people are going to actually read it. That's a little bit scary.
3: Well, we appreciate your time, as always. Thank you very much.
5: Thank you,
8: Will. Of course, I'm going to be at the Wyoming game, by, by the way.
5: So okay. i
1: come by and bug you guys in. I'm
8: very
5: All right. Excited. Well, we'll just plan on you uh, joining us that Saturday then, huh? Let's see the Wyoming game. What day of the week is that That's a Saturday. Yeah. Okay. Saturday at 3 o'clock. Saturday, I think it's
8: at okay. like 4. Yeah, 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll have a good long pregame show then that day. That'll be
3: fun. That's right. Hey, thanks again, Will. Of
8: course. Talk to you. You bet.
3: It's Will Leach with us here. You can follow him on uh, Twitter at William L leitch l-e-i-t-c-h at twitter ten twenty four. phone line is open if you'd like to join us we'll take a quick time out and be back with more on Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk what's on your mind this morning 217-356-9397 here's the telephone number a lot of talk about college football expansion that's not going to go away I don't think for a while But you may be tired of talking about it in the last week or so. I I think the thing's going to
5: settle down here for a while because I don't think think that the conference, and this is just me trying to read what's going on, I don't think the conference is going to change their West and East divisions next year. Now, the year after is a whole other question because that's when USC and UCLA come in. But this year we're going to have East-West. We know that. And I I don't think they'll make a change next year – I don't think they'll make that big move until they've got, till they have to, which is when USC and UCLA come in.
3: Have you looked at any of the preseason magazines yet?
5: I have not. I need to do that.
3: I haven't either. But uh, um, of course, Ohio State's favored in the in the East over Michigan and Penn State, probably. And I don't know. Would you go with Iowa or Wisconsin in the West?
5: I, to me, that's just a toss-up. I, yeah. I think Iowa's really going to be good, and I think Wisconsin's going to be good. I, I see uh, you know, the report that Wisconsin has the best one-two punch at running back in the nation. In other words, the combination of their two running backs is number one. And Illinois is up there in, in the top round. I think they're 21st. But I just think that Ohio State's... It's bad enough that they've got all those big linemen, and then they got two really good runners. I mean, they're going to run the ball right down everybody's throat if they can. We'll see. 49. I, I I think that Ohio State-Notre Dame game makes, hmm. it, makes it. That's a huge one, isn't it?
3: That's right out of the gate. That's national right television Saturday night, Labor Day weekend. One yeah. is ranked sixth. I think,
5: I think Ohio State's better than Notre Dame right now. Don't you? I do. But who knows who will win the game. It, it, first game of the season, anything can happen.
3: Preseason poll: the Buckeyes are sixth, I think, and Notre Dame is eighth. And Marcus Freeman in his debut, he played mm-hmm. linebacker at Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a big game for him. And the Illinois game coming up in uh,
5: – By the way, wasn't that interesting? Uh, you always learn something when you talk to beat writers. But Noy brought up that uh, thing about Freeman is actually – the number one guy in recruiting, he said he's the number one, number two, number three, and number four reasons why recruiting is really. And he said that Kelly, who's now at LSU, if he's at LSU, uh, you'd think he'd be really involved in recruiting because they've got talent down there. But uh, that he said that that Freeman is going to be a great recruiter, basically.
3: Well, he has been a great recruiter, and that's why he got that job. Mm. I mean, he was on the staff of uh, so he hadn't changed anything. Over even though the head coach, right? He was a defensive coordinator for uh, Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, then he took the Notre Dame job in the same position. Mm-hmm. But uh, he has hung his hat on being that good of a, of a recruiter. Now, it's his first head coaching job. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty big job for your first head Ooh. coaching job, would you say? Oh, yes. Illinois and Wyoming, August 27, 3 o'clock. So... As you try to settle into your football schedule, you've got a Saturday afternoon game followed by a Friday night game, followed by another Saturday afternoon game, followed by a Thursday night game. (laughs) Then you will have four games in the books there, Wyoming, Indiana, Virginia, Chattanooga before opening Big Ten play October 1st at Wisconsin. So those um, first four games, man, you know, as far as looking at the rest of the schedule, you need three or four wins there.
5: Oh yeah, because the the t- second half of that schedule is going to be brutal. It is. I mean, I was really going to be tough. They're they're loaded. I mean, not loaded in the sense that they're going to score 50 points a game, but their defense is just going to be murderous and uh, Wisconsin too and it's at Wisconsin and I don't know how long it's been. I'd have to look it up. Uh, I remember some nice wins it was uh, unbelievable wins at Wisconsin going back, but man, I don't think we've went up there lately.
3: I'd have to look it up. But you bet.
5: I'll do that. In the t- how about I'll, I'll look it up when we break for commercial here. you are going to do that right We're
3: going to talk more uh, Big Ten football with uh, Howard Griffith coming up. Stay with us as we continue on Illini Pella's Saturday Sports Talk. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pella's Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you until 11 o'clock. Let me
5: throw these stats since I just looked them up, Steve. Okay. Uh, Illinois against Iowa and Iowa City. Illinois won three times in the 1990s, last in 1999. They have not won in Iowa City since. And the last win at Madison against Wisconsin was 2002.
3: Back in those uh, 90 late 90s games, you're talking about games that had Howard Griffith in them. Yeah, okay. Them. And Howard is with us on the telephone this morning. Howard, how are you, buddy?
9: i'm doing good guys how are you doing this morning
3: we're hanging in there talking a lot of big 10 football we're inside of 50 days to the start of uh this season and then all the big 10 expansion uh news coming out in the last week or so and we haven't talked to you for a while we thought you get uh we'd get your take on that what are your thoughts on the big 10 as it stands now and the way it looks like it's going to be in the next couple of years you think uh the conference is done picking up teams
9: I don't think they're done. Uh, I don't think the SEC is done as well. I think expansion is going to continue to develop as as more teams are looking for uh, solid places to be and land to secure not only the, the future for their, their football program, but I think to secure their future for the athletic departments. And I think we're just going to continue to see what we're, what we're all referring to now is these mega conferences. It's going to be the SEC and the Big Ten. Are going to be the big two, and then we'll see how it shakes out with the other three um, that are left. What they're going to be able to do to acquire teams, and what they're going to be able to do as far as television rights deals are concerned.
3: Is your son uh, Houston still? Uh, is he back uh, for another season at Notre Dame?
9: He is back for another season at Notre Dame, so you know he's excited about that. So you know we're looking forward to that.
3: So what what are your thoughts about uh, Notre Dame in, in the future? Do you think that the, maybe this is the time that uh, they take a serious look at the Big Ten?
9: You know, I, I think they're going to continue to sit back and evaluate their opportunities. Uh, you know, one thing that you guys know is the following this college football, anytime there's some realignment, anytime uh, you see teams start to move, one of the first names that is always brought up is, well, is it that time now for Notre Dame to get into a conference? And when you look around the country, it's really two options for them, right? The SEC, and that's not necessarily, I think, a cultural or uh, academic fit for them for what they would want to do. Then you look at, you know, obviously the Big Ten and and the proximity to the Midwest, where they are, obviously sitting in the Midwest. It's just another opportunity. But I think at the end of the day, um, the only way Notre Dame is going to be forced to or decide to get into a conference is whether or not they – their uh, ability to to be able to participate in the college football playoffs is hurt right now it's not or just the television revenue that is that is out there is so massive which oh by the way some of the numbers that have been thrown around for the big ten without having USC and UCLA is north of a hundred uh, or north of a billion dollars so you know it's no telling I think it's going to be interesting times but as we talk about Notre Dame, that's a, that's a school that really prides themselves uh, for, from a football standpoint of being able to be an independent and be able to play some of those national games. But now having USC in, 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 the, in the conference uh, could be appealing for them. So we'll just have to wait and see. But I don't think anything's going to be imminent uh, on a move for Notre Dame or uh, another two teams to come into the conference.
5: Well Howard um where do you see uh if if Notre Dame doesn't move mm-hmm. do you see is there a team out there right now that you see that would enhance the financial the rights you know the the the, the TV yeah. viewership and, and the money is there is there what team would 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 uh, Oregon would would uh, Washington I mean who who is it
9: I, I think if you if you talk about it strictly from a rights deal and obviously what can enhance the conference, I, I think you're going back out West and you're going to the Northwest and you're looking at, you know, uh, Oregon or uh, Oregon and uh, uh, along with Washington, because you're going to need to bring two. And that's the same thing you talk about Notre Dame. They're going to need to have a partner. And that partner to me, uh, at least from where I sit, would, would probably need to be Stanford. But you start looking at being able to to get some other markets, the Northeast. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, the Northwest would would be a huge market once again, because I think if you look at some of the SEC schools, it obviously you know their rights deal is not going to be up uh, for quite a while. So it kind of it's kind of tough for them to be able to move around. So you have to look back at the Pac-12. And you look at teams like, you know, obviously Stanford, you look at Cal, you look at Washington, uh, you look at Oregon, and you look at some of those things. Because right now, the way the Big Ten is constructed, it literally is coast to coast right now. So, you know, to be able to add another uh, huge TV market uh, would be big for the conference and I think would address uh, the, I won't say the need, but enhance uh, the television package that could be out there uh, for the conference.
5: What do the people in the Big Ten say about the contract that ESPN has with ACC? Is is that breakable?
9: I don't know if it's breakable or not. I, I, I've heard a lot of things, uh, but it, it appears that it, it doesn't look like it is without some huge penalty. Uh, I'm sure there are always outs in contracts to be able um, to allow teams to move. But I, I think right now, when you look at you know the way college or athletic departments are set up, they're probably – legitimately maybe only 10, 11 athletic departments that are not taking any aid from the school itself or, you know, obviously the student body that are self-sufficient uh, in, their own, in their own little bubble of athletics, and it's not many of them. And, and you look at athletics now, nowhere in business would you ever uh, have a division or, or a different area that it was, was losing money and would still be kept on. But in college athletics, that's really what happened. So it's really incumbent on, you know, these football programs and, and their, the basketball programs to, to a lesser extent to be able to support uh, some of the other sports that are out there. So I think that's what's really impressive, I think, for you know what they were able to do the conference as far as bringing in UCLA and USC because uh, they're Olympic sports in both, both places. are are second to none so i think it's going to enhance what uh the college experience as far as travel is going to be concerned um for a lot of the student athletes in the big 10 conference and yes you know it's always going to be travel that's going to be a part of it but i know uh, commissioner kevin warren is, is committed and has been committed since he's taken over to putting the student athlete and making sure they have the best experience possible and that does, that also includes their ability to travel and be able to travel in a first-class manner that's not going to be taxing on the body as maybe it would have been uh, 10 or 12 years ago.
5: Yeah, I don't know how these uh, minor sports, I mean the, the non-revenue sports at UCLA are going to work in terms of travel because it is going to be a, yeah. a difficult situation, but... The, the i'm told that the non-revenue sports out there were a big reason why UCLA really wanted in because they need the money they've been i guess they're losing a tremendous amount of money i guess they lost 62 million during the pandemic and and they've been losing yeah. every year in their in their budget and mike white told me that he he said that they're not drawing at the at the Rose Bowl for their football games i don't know if you're aware of that and yeah. and he said that uh, that this whole thing that they're their uh, their athletic director indicated that if they didn't get this deal, that they were going to lose some some uh, they were going to lose some sports.
9: Yeah, and that's not unheard of. I can remember without naming the school, that's a Big Ten West school. Um, they were going to lose some sports. It had the Big Ten Network not started when it started. Yeah, um, but but that's one of the things that, that happens in, in athletics and. You know, it, it's a tough deal. It, it really is. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, that's why these, this next television deal is going to be very important, um, to be able to make sure uh, that, that schools are, are, are in the right position. I mean, cool you guys, you, can you imagine, I mean, just to me, you guys know this, but you talk about um, legendary programs and in institutions like USC and UCLA being concerned about their future, right? It, it, it would, you couldn't have told me that 10, 12 years ago. I mean, with some yeah. of the, the blue bloods at the UCLA and the basketball side and Olympic sports, uh, USC with, with football and all, they've been able to do also with Olympic sports as well. You couldn't have told me that they were would have been in a position where they were looking to be able to make sure that they could solidify and secure the future of, the university and obviously the athletic program, but it just tells you right now where college athletics is. It is big money, has been big money for a long time, but I think probably over the last, you know, five years or so, we've really seen with the escalation of of head coaches' salaries, assistant coaches' salaries, and just how much money is out there as far as television is concerned, we're seeing just how tough it is to really run athletic departments and to be able to keep them profitable or try to move them into a profitable space.
3: We're talking uh, with Howard Griffith. We talked about uh, your son Houston on the Notre Dame team. How about that for a season opener for a new head coach going to his, (laughs) his alma mater and playing a primetime top 10 game on a Saturday night. That'll be tough for uh, Notre Dame at Ohio state.
9: Oh, no doubt about it. And and I'll tell you guys that what I'm looking at, the key to this game to me, uh, at first blush, it's it's really comes down to the strength and conditioning program, right? It, how are you going to be able to make sure that your team is peaking at the right moment? Listen, the athleticism that both teams have is, is unquestioned, but I think how they're treated, how they're handled from winter conditioning through the summer uh, and into in to camp to be able to make sure both teams are peaking at the right moment it, is going to be important. And you look at it, an Ohio State team, this is really the first time Ohio State has been looked at from a standpoint of being soft. And you talk about being pushed around by Michigan. This is a team that wanted to run the ball and control the line of scrimmage both sides. And that's something that they really haven't been able to do with a lot of consist didn't weren't able to do with a lot of consistency last year. So I really expect Mickey Moratti to have taken those guys. I know their winning conditioning was tough. I know their summer is going to be tough and difficult, but I expect to see a very physical Ohio State team, and I expect Notre Dame to try to be as physical as they can be as well. But it's going to be a great matchup, you know, watching Marcus Friedman lead his team against his alma mater, as you just mentioned. And it seems like it was only yesterday I was covering him as a player at Ohio State. That's right. And now all of a sudden he's running uh, arguably one of the most storied uh, programs in all of college athletics. So, you know, it's going to be a tough uphill battle for Notre Dame, but but I know they'll be prepared. They'll just have to be able to score some points and, and try to keep it close.
5: Well, Howard, what do you hear about your alma mater? What, I, I, I hear Lunny is going to upgrade the offense, so what do you hear?
9: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's what, what's a big part of it right now. Right, It's, it's about what you can do offensively. you got to be able to score points. And, you know, I get it, you know, you know, we always we often talk about defense winning championships but you know and in those first that first half of the game you've got to be able to put points up and give yourself an opportunity to to go out and, and score because that's what college football has become it, it's come down to scoring and yeah you're able to make some plays defensively but if you can't score points and be consistent and be able to run the ball i i think when you want to run the ball it, it's very difficult to, to win, and it'll be difficult to win, I think, in the West if you're not able to do that, too. Running the ball is always going to be important, so really making sure that line of scrimmage is solidified and being able to run are, are things that Illinois is going to have to be able to do. The passing game is going to continue to develop, I think, but you got to be able to run it and run it consistently because uh, you can look around the conference and you look at you know teams like Penn State one of the things that they – their big push this entire offseason is getting more physical at the point of attack. And they mm-hmm. haven't been really able to do that since. You know, um, Coach Franklin has been there. And I expect the same thing to happen here in Illinois. they got to be able to run
5: it. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, Illinois went in there with a seven-man line and, and really uh, – I don't say they beat up on Penn State. <laughs> they won the game in nine overtimes. But, I mean – they were able to keep that score down uh, with a really strong defense and and running the ball.
9: Right, and that's what it comes down to. If You can do that. I mean, you're giving yourself a chance, and to be able to salt the game away, and, and because these these spread offenses, I mean, they're going to put up points, and you know they're going to have players. So if you can't if you can't try to slow them down by keeping your offense out on the field, it's difficult, and, and it makes these games uh, pretty tough to win.
3: That's Howard Griffith. Always good to catch up with you and our friend, and we'll do it again soon as we get close to that football season.
9: Yes, media day is right around the corner. Looking forward to catching up with you guys during the season.
3: Thanks, okay, Howard. Griffith. We appreciate it. Right. That's number 29, Howard Griffith, on Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk at 1047. A break. Back with more after this. Moving up on 1050, got about uh, – seven or eight minutes left if you want to call in 217-356-9397 is the phone number we've covered a lot of football ground uh, in the uh, last couple of hours basketball the coaches are out and about at uh, another uh, open viewing uh, period some coaches in kansas city atlanta bouncing around a lot of uh, a lot of players on display coleman hawkins did a Podcast uh, this week. I happened to see part of that. Did you uh, as well, Lauren?
5: Yeah, I saw the whole. I listened to the whole thing, mm-hmm. and and uh, it was interesting when they asked the question about uh, you know can Sky Clark be your point guard? Do you have a point guard? He says we have polis- positionless basketball, yeah. and he emphasized the positionless part by saying that maybe he'll be at the five sometime, which is the center position as kobe had in the last three years. Maybe he'll be at the four. He, I think, he sees himself as a natural four, which is right, but he's going to be positionless. And I think everybody on the team, whether it's, you know, Shannon and whether it's Meyer or whether it's uh, Melendez, you know, I think all those guys are going to just kind of move around in different positions, and, and they'll have different people bringing the ball up. Maybe the guy that gets the rebound will bring it up.
3: Why not? That has worked in the past. It has worked not only here in the past, but it's worked elsewhere as well. You didn't. And you weren't too concerned whether D. Darren or Luther, which one of those guys oh was no, bringing the ball no. up for right? I,
5: I, I think that the most we talk a lot about the importance of height, and I think that's overrated. Height is overrated. I think what's uh, underrated is ball handling and the ability to set up your teammates, and that's why I, every time we talk, I, I don't bring up uh, Roger's name, and I should because yep. Ty Rogers is going to be a, a, a contender in there because he he's a he can do all those things. I mean, he may not score a lot but you can do everything else.
3: Let's go to the phones. Marty is with us from Pinehurst. Good morning, Marty.
7: Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Yeah. Just go back and take a look at some, some stuff on Stephen F. Austin in Oklahoma state when Underwood was coaching and you'll see a lot of what he's probably going to be doing this next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're right about Rogers. I, I think he's the point forward. I think he might even be the best decision maker they're going to have, but we'll wait and see. Um, I've got an observation. The, uh, the commissioner of the Big Ten for years was Jim Delaney, who was always forward-thinking and, and was ahead of the game. And uh, the worst thing in the world to do is to follow a legend into a job, and, and Kevin Warren picked exactly the wrong time with COVID and everything else, but he's been PR, everything else, been viewed as behind the eight ball and reacting to things rather than leading to a large extent. My observation is that I think that USC and UCLA uh, gave him a, threw him a, a lifeline, yep, and uh, made it look like he did something that he didn't really do. They called him, and they're going to also have other schools calling him because all of a sudden these other schools are going to scramble and try to get in. He's going to end up looking a lot better. Uh, and maybe maybe uh, that's fair since he came in at such a tough time and followed such a legend. What do you think about that?
5: I think you're right on. I, I think that uh, I think USC in particular uh, wanted out, and they saw that the money difference was just. They see the Pac-12 as a dying conference. I mean, and I think that uh, I think that they initiated it. At the same time, uh, in the Big Ten, we had a committee. Working on the idea, of work, uh, studying the ideas of expansion. So when they called in, I think that we had people ready to uh, to deal with it, and it was a, it was a no brainer. I mean, you had to take them, right?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah.
5: Now, I mean, is is Stanford a no brainer? Is Oregon a no brainer? I don't know. I I just don't know. I don't know the well financials Oregon, there. Oregon,
7: Oregon, and Washington are. Uh, Northwest market get the Seattle market. Stanford is the ideal uh, counterbalance to a Notre Dame or a Northwestern, you know, the private school with great academics and great sports. I don't know what they're going to do, but they're, I still think in the long term they're going to pick up somebody else on the West coast, to balance out a little bit. Just think they have to, but, uh, Notre Dame's interesting. You know, they're, they're not in any hurry. And, uh, it was also interesting to hear what your guys said from from the Notre Dame beat uh you know, I just don't see them changing
5: I don't either. They're not gonna do it if they if they're you're gonna have to get them down and twist their arm and break it off because they're not yeah. gonna do it they
7: and the other interesting thing is they their football rights money isn't tied into the a c c mm-hmm so They leave the ACC. They don't. They're not going to have as big a payoff as other ACC schools would have. That's right. To get out. So Notre Dame's holding the cards, and they're going to they're going to sit and wait because they're the one girl that everyone wants to dance with. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to make the choice. And I don't know how long does the Big Ten wait on that because. Yeah, that's going to be
5: interesting. They've got an ideal situation: five games in the ACC, and they get to play USC and the military academies, and whoever they yeah. got. Michigan coming up later, and they, they've got a, they've got scheduled, as he said, until the into the '30s. Uh, yeah. Notre Dame doesn't have to move, and they don't have to have the money. I mean, it'd be nice to have more money, but and they'll get more money from that NBC contract in, in two years. Yeah. But it's I don't weird. see them moving, but. I hope I'm wrong. I'd like to see them in the Big Ten, but I just don't think they're going to
7: move. Yeah. I agree with you wholeheartedly, but I, I'm, I'm afraid they're not going to move. I'd love to see them there, too.
3: Hey, Marty, I got a scoot. Appreciate uh, hearing from yep. you. Go get them. Yep. 1057, one final break, and back with some final words after this. The Fellow Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock. Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. Illini Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, Champaign PellaOfChampaign.com. A couple of minutes before 11 as we wrap things up on this edition of the Line eye Saturday Sports Talk. Thanks to our guests on the show today. Kendall Gill led us off. If you missed any of uh, these guests, you can always find the podcast, which will be posted shortly by our executive producer, Dave Leek. Coming up uh, before you know it, it'll be up there after we're done here. But uh, Kendall Gill led off with us, and uh, Tom Noe from the South Bend Tribune Kind of gave us the Notre Dame side of things. Will Leach and Howard Griffith were our other guests on the program. Learned a little bit today about I was the various going to things. Ask you, what you learned? Well, I learned that uh, Notre Dame's probably going to be Notre Dame for a while, well, while yet.
5: Yeah, I don't think we know that, but I think it, I, I think it's leaning that way, don't you?
3: I do. We'll see how that plays They're out. They're just
5: hard to budge. I've been watching this for a long time, and they, there have been all kinds of opportunities for them, and they just. They just decline the money and and uh, hang in where they are. They want to be independent in football. That's all that matters.
3: Apparently, so it does.
5: Give them give them the chance to schedule a, and you know this. Uh, USC this won't change anything they'll play earlier or they'll play late I I think they play late against USC don't
3: they uh, yeah I think it's like the last game yeah and, and, and they, they're able
5: to work out their schedule with the, with the ACC to, to work in all the other games they want to play
3: that'll do it for us we're out of time it is moving up at 11 o'clock WDWS Champaign urbana for Lauren Tate I'm Steve Kelly thanks for listening everybody and we'll talk to you again next week right here